James and John, all of them, both, we read, immediately get up. They leave their boat. And in one case, they leave their boat and their father. And I think, at least I, I hear that and I think, wow, right? They just got up just like that and left everything behind. We assume, too, that they left everything behind, like uh, their occupation and their livelihood, family connections, community connections, their whole identity as to who they are. They just left it all behind, and we think, oh, I could never do that. On the other hand, it could be that Jesus had prepared them or that God had prepared them to say yes as well, right? Maybe they were as ready to leave behind what they were leaving as they were to go. Maybe their father, in the case of James and John, had even been encouraging them to leave it behind and to do something else and to find something else. After all, fishing was not a high-status occupation in the ancient world. It was a lot of hard work, long hours. We've heard that. We hear that in other Bible stories, having to be out in the boat all night long. And they were under uh, Roman occupation. And so much of what they were making had to be paid back in taxes to the Roman Empire. Um, And so perhaps God had readied them to hear this invitation. And perhaps they were as ready to leave as they were to go and to follow. You know, God calls us in a a whole variety of ways, out of and into different situations at different times in our life with different people. And it may just as much be a matter of being ready to say yes as it is being ready to say no more or goodbye to that which has been holding us. That's true, I think, in my own call to ministry. If you had said to me 11 years ago, uh... You should go to seminary. In fact, somebody did say to me about 11 years ago, a friend of mine said, have you ever thought about seminary? And I was like, no, no, never. Beyond my wildest imaginations, 11 years ago, I never could have imagined that I would be standing here right now talking to you like I am today. But 10 years ago, right about this time of year, it was 10 years ago in February, God did issue that invitation. And that invitation came through the words of others, And then what I can only describe as a spiritual experience of my own. And I realized that's indeed what I was supposed to do, was head off to seminary and and go into the ministry. But I have to tell you, well, let me tell you that that happened, I think, fairly quickly. In fact, to this day, I still don't quite understand how my husband handled it that uh, Saturday afternoon when I came home from an all-day meeting and we said, hello, how are you? Good, good. And then I said, hey, honey, what would you say if I told you I think I'm supposed to go to seminary? Totally out of the blue. And by the way, he said, I think I've told you this before. He said, oh, okay. Um, but I, I, so I knew that's what I was supposed to do. And so maybe it wasn't the next day, but certainly within the next couple of weeks, I was checking out what it meant to apply to seminary and starting the forms and making contacts. And then pretty soon you're doing interviews and paperwork and psychological assessments and um, all these kinds of things. And by the end of the summer, I was learning Greek. But as I look back, especially, I recognize it wasn't just that invitation that came on that day and I said, okay. What happened is God had been preparing my heart for several years before that so that I could be ready to hear that invitation and to be able to say yes in that moment. I didn't know that's what God was doing at the time, right? But I'm convinced that that's what God was doing. And God did it, ironically enough, by sowing seeds of dissatisfaction in my heart. 
particularly when it came to church and especially when it came to worship. You see, for many years, I had not been able to hear the good news. I would go to church every Sunday because I was a Lutheran, and that's what Lutherans do, right? But I would go, and do you know that the, um, the teacher, like in a Charlie Brown movie or, or show where it goes, bop, 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 right? That's what I could hear, pretty much. And I struggled with that. I prayed about that. I railed at God about that. I lamented. I talked to people. I talked to my pastor. I talked to others. I tried trying other churches and doing other. Nothing worked. But I'm convinced now that God was preparing me to hear what God had in mind, which was to leave my occupation, my livelihood, what I had known behind, and to do something new as well. And that's the other thing about the disciples, I think. They said yes, but keep in mind, they didn't know what they were saying yes to, right? We, again, we make assumptions because we know the whole story. We know how it changed everything for them, that that became their identity, not just in their lifetimes, but it's their identity for us yet today. But they wouldn't have known that when they said yes. They didn't really know what was being asked of them, where they would be going, for how long. They didn't even know, remember, they didn't even know for sure who they were following. They knew Jesus was a rabbi. And disciples followed rabbis, but they had no other idea what that might mean. And again, we make these assumptions that it meant they left everything behind. But if you read Matthew carefully, I just want to point out that it said Jesus is the one who left his home. He left Nazareth. And he came and made a home in Capernaum, in the Galilean region, where these disciples have their homes. So Jesus came and made a new home in this region. And we also know that Jesus spent most of his three years in ministry in that region. Now, if you think of, and we, again, we think Sea of Galilee, right? Sea of Tiberias, it's a big place. It's a lake. It's a lake. Now, it's a big lake. Think like Lake Malax, but I don't even think it's as big as Lake Malax. But because there are places you can see from one shore to the next. We're not talking Lake Superior or Lake Michigan, much less an ocean or a sea. So we don't know. Maybe they were home part of the time. Maybe they didn't lose all of their community connections. But what we do know is they said yes to that. They said yes not knowing what that yes necessarily entailed. And I think that's an important lesson for us as well. And that, too, is the lesson that I had to learn in my own call process. So I understood I was supposed to go to seminary, but I had no idea why or what or how or anything. But what happened is that for, I'm sure it was the first time in my life, I decided God could be in control. Notice my language? I decided God could be in control. Yeah, but in, it's true. And I, I think I started as a skeptic um, or a cynic, perhaps, or I gave God a yes, but. Maybe that's the better way to think about it. I said, okay, God, I'll go to seminary, but I don't know how or why or any of that. And so if this is really what you want me to do, then I'll start. But you better make that path really clear. You better shine a bright, bright light on that path so that I don't get lost or don't get off of it. And if at any time there are obstacles that are put in my way, I'm going to assume, God, that means it's time to stop and I've done what I've needed to do. That was the mindset I went with. 
So, of course, the very first question I had for God was, why are you doing this to me? After all, I had a really good career. I enjoyed my work as a social worker, had always felt I had been called to do that. I still believe that to this day. I was serving God by serving the least of these. It was an important, important occupation, and I found great joy and satisfaction in it. And I couldn't understand why God would call me out of that. But it soon became apparent to me that it was because it was time for me to open my mouth and proclaim the good news. Remember the good news I hadn't been able to hear for several years? I understood. It didn't take long, and again, there's more stories that go with that. But I understood God was calling me not just to act on my faith, but it was time for me to speak about my faith as well. Well, then I wanted to know, well, God, why did you wait so long? If this is what I'm supposed to do, right? I'm not a young I'm not young anymore. But that became apparent as well. I could not have become the kind of pastor I am today if it had happened earlier in my life for a whole lot of reasons. Well, then I wanted to know how God was going to do this. After all, I had a full-time job. We needed money. We still had one child to put through college. It wasn't like I could just give it all up and move to seminary. Well, it turns out... That Luther at that point had a program that was still fairly new, but it was a program where I could do two-thirds of my work online. And the rest of it I would go to campus for. But at that point in my career, I had a lot of vacation built up, and so I could use vacation time and use that in order to go and do the rest of my coursework. And so I could keep working, keep paying the bills, and start learning as well. Now, there were things I had to give up, of course, right? Things that we had to give up. We had been used to family vacations every summer. We didn't take any vacations for about five years because we didn't have time or money for that. I gave up almost all of my volunteer opportunities. I gave up or set aside all of the hobbies, and I have a lot of hobbies. Gave them all up, right? But there were also things I gave up I didn't mind giving up at all, like cleaning the house. (laughs) Some things I haven't learned how to do after I finished seminary either. And this is the way it went throughout my seminary journey, I guess, as I just kept saying, all right, God, you show me how. One of the big I thought was going to be an obstacle was doing my clinical pastoral education, my CPE, 400 hours of clinical work in a, in a hospital or nursing home setting of some place. Well, it turned out there was a program right here in Mankato at the time at the hospital. And it wasn't, uh, like most of them are 10-week programs. This was an extended program, so I could do it over several months. And when I went to ask about it and find out, that day I walked out of the uh, chaplain's office with a part-time gig, working two or three hours a week as a hospital chaplain. And I continued that for the next several years. Great opportunities and experiences. And then I wondered, God, I don't quite get why me. After all, I'm married to a farmer. Uh, we are tied to the land and to a location. It's not like I'm ever going to be able to move across country or even across the state, although Steve would always say to me, honey, don't, don't worry about it. You just go where you need to go. I'll be home waiting for you, <laughs> right? Yeah. Came time for my internship, and lo and behold, a church in St. Peter needed an interim pastor, and the synod said, interview Trish. And uh, if you're willing to have her be your interim, just know that she has to complete her internship at the same time. And they said yes to that. And it was an amazing experience. And I got a salary out of it instead of just a stipend so I could keep paying the bills. 
And once I finished and I was beginning my own call process, I was still there because they were going through their call process. And I always had assumed, you know, when I get to this point, wow, if there's like one church that's in a reasonable location, I'm going to be so lucky at the time that all of this ends that I'm ready for a call. I had like three different opportunities for interviewing and calls to consider as I finished up my schooling. And at that point, I literally, I'm saying to God, oh, do not do this to me. Do not make me choose, right? God, you have been so good and so faithful about step by step by step, showing me where to go and what to do. That's, that's all I can handle. Don't make me choose. And God didn't. God showed me exactly what I was supposed to do and where I was supposed to be. And the same thing is true coming here. You know that. You've heard that from me before. I wasn't looking for a new call. I wasn't thinking about doing anything different. But God calls. God calls in a whole variety of ways. Often those calls for me come through the voices of other people. And here I am. And I am here not because I, and I don't take this the wrong way. It's not because I didn't, oh, how should I say that? It wasn't because I wanted to come. I'm very glad I'm here, though. Don't get me wrong. But I knew I came here because that was God's will for me. And I followed it. And, oh my goodness, to follow God's will is to be blessed beyond belief. That's all I can tell you. And so I look at all of you as well, right? And look at us as a congregation. Three or four years ago, could you have imagined we are where we are today? Hmm, let's be honest, right? No. And so you might remember last week, those of you who could get out in our snowy day, I said to you, I don't know what God has in store for us. I don't know what God has in store for me. I don't know what God has in store for us. But I also said to you, it doesn't matter. Remember? Because that's the greatness of God. And that's why I firmly believe that. We don't have to know. And we don't have to know all the details. And we don't have to know what's going to happen. But we do get to trust in God. And we do get to say yes to God's call. And that means being ready to say yes. That means looking for opportunity. That means living each day to its fullest, right? That means sharing in this greatness of God that is before us. God calls to each one of us in our own ways, in our own places, in our own times, in our own context, and says, follow me. Follow me in a whole variety of ways and situations and vocations and volunteer opportunities, and you get my drift. God calls all of us as individuals, and God calls all of us together as community and says, follow me. And God promises, follow me, and I will show you. I will show you the way and the life and the truth. And all we have to do is say, Yes. Amen.